Have you finished your personal statement yet? Now's the perfect time to get it professionally reviewed by a medical school HQ expert advisor. We have former directors of admissions, admissions officers, and the like on our small team of amazing people. They have the inside knowledge from reading thousands and thousands and thousands, tens, if not 100,000 personal statements going through the process and setting up the process for their whole committee. They know exactly what medical schools look for and the common red flags that can get your entire application thrown out. Take advantage of our flash sale right now, going through May 6th, up to 6,000 characters reviewed for just $150. That's a $75 discount on our regular price. Go to editmyps.com. Again, that's editmyps.com. The Medical School HQ Podcast, session number 90. Understanding the importance of um, knowing what works for you. And, you know, I... At my school, there's Starbucks, there's, you know, all these little coffee shops. And I see, you know, groups studying together, but they're talking about, you know, other things. Their book is open, but they're not studying. Hey, this is Z-Dog MD, rapper, physician, legendary turntable health revolutionary, and part-time gardener. And you're listening to the Medical School HQ podcast, hosted by the irredeemably awesome Ryan Gray. Welcome back. I'm your host, as always, Dr. Ryan Gray, and I believe that competition amongst your pre-med and medical student peers is detrimental to becoming a great physician. In this podcast, we show you how collaboration, hard work, and honesty are critical to becoming a superior physician in today's healthcare environment. As always, I want to thank you for joining me here for episode 90. Nine, zero. I remember when I was excited about episode 10, and now we're at 90. We've been going at this every week for 90 weeks, and we do that because of you, and we do that because of all of the amazing reviews that we get and emails that we get from you guys telling us that we're helping you on your path, and uh, it's a great feeling. So thank you for listening as always. If you're getting ready to take the MCAT or you are taking it next year or whenever you're getting ready to take it, go to freemcatgift.com and download our 30-plus page report all about the MCAT and some tips and tricks that you might not have thought of. That's freemcatgift.com. I also want to remind you that our partner magazine, Pre-Med Life, can be found at premedlife.com. It's a bi-monthly magazine where you can get tons of great articles all about the pre-med path. Again, that's premedlife.com. In today's interview, I talk to Leah, a pre-med student at Pitzer out in California. She has a blog called freshprogressgeek.tumblr.com. It's a Tumblr Tumblr blog. And she contacted us and said, hey, I love your show. I listened to it. I would be an interesting guest possibly because of XYZ. And I called her and we talked for a little while. And I said, you know what? I'm going to hit record. Let's record this conversation. So we're going to talk about some study habits, some MCAT stuff. We're going to talk about her program that she's in 
it's a a, a BAMD program, um, and and so the kind of the dual degree program, seven year program, which is awesome. And yeah, we talk about a little bit of everything and just some mindset stuff and 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 stuff that I think will help you on your journey to becoming a physician. Leah, thanks for joining us. Why don't we start by talking about when you first knew that you wanted to be a doctor? I don't think it was at any particular moment. Um, I had many family members slash people who I would even say who are my mentors who are already in medicine. And I already like, you know, visited hospital and, you know, get to talk to the nurses and the doctors. And I would say probably just like getting into high school. And um, with my high school, you kind of, there was like majors and, oh, okay. So I think this is the moment I kind of, I kind of knew, but um, there was like different majors and my mom really wanted me to do the nursing major because it's, you know, you graduate, you don't graduate as like a full like um, CRN, but you graduate like I think as like an LPN and then there's like different um, programs you can go to from there that you can just like go on to um, get other degrees in nursing. And my mom and my family really wanted to do that. My family's West Indian, so it's just very cultural. Like nurses is like such a huge thing and everyone's a nurse. And there's a lot of doctors, but a lot of people like nurses. So she wanted me to do that. And my guidance counselor, um, Miss Finn, who I will say her name because like she's amazing. Um, and I really hope she listens to this. She's amazing. And she was the one who like sat my mother down and she was like, I just, I really would like to see her as a doctor, you know? And at the time, I, I couldn't really contextualize, you know, nurses, girls, or anything of that sort. But she was just like an amazing mentor, and she, you know, pushed me. I ended up being in honors. I ended up ranking number three out of my school that was seven hundred. Um, and I just ended up doing so well in the honors program with my AP classes. I did awesome with my the sciences um, and history, surprisingly. Um, And I don't know, I just, I never really had that like aha moment that like I want to be a doctor, but I always promised myself that I wanted to do healthcare delivery. Um, I admired doctors and I would, if I could be a doctor, I would want to be a neonatologist and work with premature infants because I love neonatology and my mentor is a neonatologist and I just, I love it. And I always promised myself, too, I'd rather be no doctor than be a mediocre doctor. And I just think it's so important to be informed and, you know, read, like, the New York Times or um, the Atlantic and see what's going on with, like, the healthcare changes. And, you know, not just being a doctor with, like, you know, the scientific biomedical lens, but also being a doctor that understands the, so- the psychosocial aspect and um, the privilege that you have compared to your patients and um, are you understanding that when you're talking with a patient and you're trying to learn more about the patient and narrative medicine? I don't want to get too much into it, but um, <laughs> I, yeah, I just I let's, just always kind of had an interest in medicine, I guess you can say. Let's let's go back to your mentor. And okay, we, we've had a podcast about mentoring and how important that is. Yeah. How did you find your mentor? Um, well, my mentor. I found him when I was, I was visiting um, the hospital that my grandmother works at, and I, I knew the nurses pretty well, and I knew a couple of the doctors pretty well, but the doctors kind of, the way they kind of treated me, it was like, oh, you're a little kid, hey, you know, like, you know, you're not a med student, you know, hey, like, this is 
the machine. They're just like showing me different things. And then my mentor, he was actually in his office and my grandmother had like walked me over to meet him. And like we, honestly, we just clicked. Like that's the best way I can describe it. And we didn't even talk about like medicine or anything really. I mean, at the time I was taking like AP Chem and I really couldn't even have an intellectual conversation about medicine at that point in my life. But, um, I mean, it just, it was very natural and, um, I don't know. Yeah. It was just like very natural. And I guess I had met him through my grandmother, I guess. Okay. That was, that was the best thing. He's a neonatologist and he's been so impactful on my career and, um, well, my journey into, you know, becoming a doctor, I would say. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, also now that as I'm getting, you know, older and, you know, Twitter and all the social media things is get coming about, um, my school really encouraged that I made a LinkedIn and, you know, started to get, you know, social branding and all this stuff. And I actually found three other mentors through social media. And that's also been amazing. So I would also recommend if you don't have um, a person that can be that bridge for you and your mentor, Sometimes, you know, create a profile and just reach out to, um, you know, the people who are the movers and the shakers in whatever field that you're interested in. And I was surprised when people were like answering back and they're like, email me and this sounds interesting and, you know, and everything like that. And yeah, so honestly, I can tell you, I've met three other mentors over the summer who are like awesome. And we email each other like at least every two weeks or so. And it's been really, really great to find those um, mentors on social media because the the mentors are actually not, they're not even in like LA or whatever. They're like different States completely, but you know, we all share a love of medicine and healthcare and, you know, digital health and all this different stuff. Good. And um, yeah, so I would tell students take initiative. That's, that's also a really big thing. Um, I always say if you're, if you don't ask the question, you'll never know the answer, you know, like, some people are afraid, like, oh, I might look, you know, I don't want the person to look down on me. But I don't know, taking initiative, you can't go wrong. I'd rather ask and be denied than not ask at all and, and not know what could have been. Yeah. Okay. So let's get back to your high school days. <laughs> yeah. How do you go from kind of, and it's kind of interesting how your high school had majors yeah. How do you go from the nursing to the doctoring and you had your mentor? How did you as a young high school student start narrowing down if if you were interested in going to medical school eventually and being pre-med? How did mm-hmm. you go from the the East Coast finding a school in the West Coast and then we can talk about some of the advantages of the school that you're at in a minute, but how, how did you start going through that process? Um, well, I never really got into the nursing. So when, by the time you finish freshman year, that's when you start choosing your majors and stuff in my high school. And my mom wanted me to go into nursing, but my guidance counselor kind of, you know, retracted that. So I kind of stayed in honors and that went about. And then um, my friend group throughout high school, we were all really interested in medicine too. And we were all kind of like somewhat kind of geeks and we we're all like in the pre-med club and, um, I forget, what was the name of my pre-med club? But I was in this really cool pre-med club and they would take us, we went, we visited John Hopkins. We visited like three different other States. We visited medical schools. We went to conferences. 
Um, it was That's all awesome. for free. It was really awesome. So that kind of, I mean, before I even applied to college, just like that, having that like already drummed into my memory, I was always like, kind of like, yeah, I definitely want to go into medicine. Okay. And then, um, another good thing that helped me a lot. I have so much mentors. I had another mentor, um, at Pace university. Um, and he is amazing, amazing. He's a college counselor. And he was the one who actually helped me find Pitzer. And I, I owe it all to him. I tell people the story all the time. He gets mad. He's like, no, you, you know, you found her. But I'm like, no, you helped me a lot. But his daughter had went to um, my brother, the sister school of the school I go to now. And he was like, yeah, I really think you'll fit in at Pitzer. And then I met the admissions counselor. We talked. And then the admissions counselor was the one who told me to apply to the medical program. So that was kind of funny. I, I didn't want to apply to it at first, too. I was kind of like, I was very, you know, because the whole, you know, I didn't, I never heard of Dio. So and that's a whole, that's a whole other. Hold on, hold on a second. You, you're getting yeah. ahead here. Let's, let's talk about this medical program and what that means. Okay. So the one I'm in right now? Yeah. Okay. So um, the medical program I'm in is seven years and it's a, uh, BA, which is Bachelor of Arts, and DO, Doctor of Osteopathy, linkage program. And you basically do three years of undergrad and then four years of medical school. And um, the process was that before you even apply for undergrad, you apply for the medical program. And, and I think in the beginning, they end up having like around 200 or 100 or so applicants and then they narrow it down to like 20. So you get to like the second round and you have to interview at the school and the medical school. So I flew up there and I interviewed at um, my college, which is Pitzer. And then I interviewed at the medical school, which is Western University. And it was very long. I think it ended up being like four hours in total. And, you know, just being like 17 years old, like you're used to these like 30 minute to an hour, you know, college interviews, like tell me about your life. Why do you like the school? But it was actually very much in depth and they expected you to, you know, understand a little few things about medicine. And um, for the medical school one, they actually did give you even like, I don't know if I can say this, but they actually, you know, they, they made it seem like you're really a doctor and you kind of have to like think on your feet with some of the answers that you Wow. Ended up coming so, to say. Yeah. So you're going through a medical school interview at 17 years old. Uh, yeah, at 17 years old. <laughs> That's crazy. And so if, if you're listening to this, I think one of the biggest things to understand for, for somebody listening to this who may be in a similar situation to where you were as a high school student is to understand that there are these programs out here. There, there are seven-year combined programs. There are eight-year combined programs. Some of them you apply... At the beginning, like you did, you apply mm -hmm. you apply to both schools and you have to get mm -hmm. accepted. Some of them you apply afterwards. After you're in college, you apply early as a freshman or a sophomore for these seven-year programs. So that that's just something I think that a lot of uh, a lot more people need to understand that there are these programs out here to take a year off of your studying uh, in your, your whole school life, which isn't a bad thing. And, and may, may be a bad thing. And, and I've talked a lot about the benefits of taking some time off after college. And when you do mm -hmm. this track that you're on, you don't get that opportunity, but it's just, well, it's just some different. Students, some students have taken a gap year in my program. Okay. And actually one of my, um, friends who 
when I entered um, Pitzer, she was leaving to go to medical school. She ended up doing a gap year of like a health internship in a different country. Oh, that's cool. And then, and then now this year she's going to medical school and she's like very relaxed. She says she loves it. She yeah. needed that break, you know. Definitely. So um, I agree with you. It's, it's important. To, right. And it's, it's just good to know about it. And um, there's also programs kind of like what you said. So you do freshman year and then if you have a certain GPA – um, you can apply to other programs that will accept you early. Like one of my friends did actually, and like you apply and you don't have to take the MCAT and they just accept you and you do your other two years. You can t- take whatever you want and it's actually very interesting. But yeah, they have, they have other really interesting programs that yep. students should look up yeah. if they're interested. So one of the things that you're big into is studying and yeah. study habits and helping uh, increase your ability to study. Let's yeah. talk about that for a little bit. How did you get interested in that? Um, I would say I've always kind of been interested in learning and just education as a whole. Um, high school, um, studying was easy. Getting good grades was easy. And I was in honors and I was taking, you know, very hard classes, but I don't know. I just, I felt like it was just a lot. It was just, I don't know. I, I never really, there was rarely ever moments where I felt like, wow, I, I don't know what to do. Or no matter how hard I try, I'm not, you know, improving. So, then, so let me stop you there because I okay. think some, some students may listen to that and go, you're just being arrogant. But I think that's a very typical scenario for uh, high achievers like people that want to go to medical school is yeah. high school's relatively easy and it was for me as well I don't remember ever studying a lot in high school but I think as you move on it gets increasingly hard and I I know we'll we'll talk about that um as as you went from high school to college Mm -hmm. but yeah speaking of the arrogance part (laughs) so I um it's something similar actually happened but um, I entered freshman year, and then um, after my first semester, I didn't do as well as I wanted to. And I'd emailed um, uh, – she was, like, another college counselor of mine. And I'd emailed her, and I was like, oh, you know, like, I don't know why I'm not doing well. And uh, I think it was chemistry. It was chemistry. It was gen chem. And I was like, I took AP chemistry, and I don't know what's – you know, I was just very, like, kind of, like, angry and she kind of felt it through reading the email. And she was just like, it was just a really a moment of like teaching me how to be humble, you know. And basically in her message, she was kind of just telling me, you know, to chill out. And, you know, like what I'm experiencing is what students in my high school who weren't in honors or who weren't like in the top 1% were experiencing. And, you know, sometimes you take for granted um, things that come easy to you, you know. Or things that did come easy to you. And I think it was definitely at that moment, I kind of like, it really brought me back down to earth. Okay, good. So you went from easy high school, which a lot of us do, to, okay, college is a little bit different. So what did you do to help improve that situation? Um, what helped me a lot was going to tutoring. I, I entered kind of, on a better note than a lot of other students did. I like, I knew like I was supposed to go to office hours. I understood, you know, tutoring was great to go to, but I feel like it was just my studying methods. And, um, the problem 
for me a lot was not that, you know, I didn't review the work or whatever, but it was more or less um, application. So, you know, I would know it, but then when the professor gives it to me and they're like, they're not saying what is A, B, and C, D, but instead they're asking, use A, B, and C, D to solve for something else that I never taught you. That's, you know, that's just what you have to learn from how you study for the class, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I guess things that helped me a lot was, um, I really liked Khan Academy using the videos and um, my advisor um, for Pitzer actually told me like pause the video, see the problem and then solve the problem and then complete the video. And that helped me so much because I'll just watch the video and be like, yeah, I understand this. But then when I pause it and I do the problem on my own, I'm like getting it wrong. And I'm like, whoa, this is where I need to, <laughs> this is where I need to think. That's a, that's a helped- good piece of advice. It helped a lot. Yeah, it helped a lot. And I, I would, what I would tell students is just you're coming into like a new environment and just a new level of education. And, you know, even if high school did come easy to you and, you, you know, you come into college and it's, you know, not that easy, don't give up and definitely try a lot of different things. And um, another thing that helped me a lot, especially with these like sciences that are like sciences but they have a bit of math in them and you know that can be a little tricky I would just save all the homework problems I couldn't do by myself and do them at office hours and I had really good professors who would just like talk me through the problem and then I would complete the problem and the professor would be like okay let's do the next one and I'm like he's like do it by yourself on the whiteboard and I'm like (laughs) and I'll do it you know and like that's good you need that like at least for me like it helped me so much when I have like a little pressure yeah. And and I think that's a good thing that you added there for you. Study habits are a very personal thing. And exactly. so what worked for you might not work for the, the person listening. And so it's it's something we, we talk about a lot as well as is finding the method that works best for you. Yeah. And and don't get stuck in studying with a group of friends in a in a coffee shop because that's what everybody wants to do if that's not the environment that works for you or studying with your boyfriend or girlfriend do what yeah, you need to do that's so important um i don't know this is kind of funny my friend she's like yeah i study when i exercise and it helps me so much and you know being the pre-med i am i was like oh wow i'm gonna do that now every day and it just, it didn't work for me. Like I would find myself like jogging and like, I couldn't really like focus on like the paper that's in front of me. And like, it was, and then even when I would like listen to the audio, it was still kind of like, I don't know, I wasn't like retaining it too well. Mm. So like, kind of like what you said, like just because someone else does something and it works really good for them doesn't mean it'll work for you, you know? And then also play around with it because in the end, Audio was great for me, but it was when I was walking to class that helped me. So I probably had like a 10 or 20 minute walk to class. Let me listen to the lecture again, you know, or like re-say the lecture, save it as audio on my phone and then replay it during the day. And that helps me a lot too. Yeah. Good. Are there, what kind of resources have you used for studying? Um... I actually have a post about this, but, um, one of them, I really started using sophomore year that helped me a lot was Evernote. Um, and it's basically like a note taking app. You can use it on your desktop, um, Android, iPhone, basically all the smartphones. And it's really great because, um, if you ask your professor's permission, you can record the lecture. Um, you can also type notes while recording, um, you can take pictures of diagrams, edit it, plants it in your notes, 
And then if you take a picture and say the picture has like, say like it's a picture of like the professor writing like down like a theorem or something, um, Evernote can actually code the picture and find the words. So when you type it up for like on the search engine, it will actually show the picture, which mm. is pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. So I really like Evernote. Um, I love YouTube a lot, especially for um, organic chemistry. YouTube was like amazing for me. And um, biology because I, I, I just like seeing things. Sometimes that helps me a lot because you're, you're, you know, so much like on paper or book and it's like very like 2D. It's really interesting and like fun. It makes studying a lot more fun um, when you could see it like 3D and like add to your notes. You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in like, I have my one set of notes, but then when I rewrite them and I add different things, I can get them from different sources. And yeah. I think students, that helps a lot too. So there's, there's a feature of YouTube that I don't think a lot of people know. And, and I'll mention it here just because you, you mentioned YouTube. But if, if you, most browsers now are, are hooked up with this. But if you go to YouTube and mm-hmm. you watch a video, I'm just pulling up YouTube so I can give you specifically what to do. You, you pull up a video and on the little settings, like the little cog wheel, you can change the speed of the video so that you can watch it faster than one time speed. So you can get through more material faster. It's awesome. Oh, wow. Not That's every cool. type of video is good for this, but if, if you're watching some kind of lectures or something online, yeah. you can speed it up. I listen to all my podcasts. Most of them sp- sped up. Um, you just get through more. Oh, me too. Me too. When <laughs> I listen to um, like your podcast and another one on Health Crossroads, I just like put it a little faster. Yeah. I, I tried to do this with TV shows, but it didn't work very well. It was very, it was very weird. Sometimes you need the pauses. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So what other, are there websites that you like to use? We, we were talking about a little, uh, a few of them before we started recording. Uh, yeah. So um, I, I love Cal Newport and he has a website, um, Study Hacks, and it's amazing. Any person who is a study skills blogger pretty much knows about Cal Newport. He also has, um, books and, um, some of them I've haven't, I haven't read on um, the newest one, but one that I did read before, um, entering college that helped me a lot was how to win at college by Cal Newport. And that book was amazing because I mean, now I look back on it, like I was kind of down on myself, but I mean, chemistry was my only pretty much bad class. But, um, I mean, that book helped me a lot. I feel if, if I didn't read that book, I kind of would have been like way more out over all over the place. You know, I really wouldn't have like known what type of resources I should be, um, utilizing to my advantage. That's so his is a good blog and I've reached out to him and, and maybe we'll have him on the podcast. Maybe eventually Cal, <laughs> his website is calnewport.com slash blog is his study yeah. blog. Um, another blog I'd recommend is um, College Info Geek. Um, CollegeInfoGeek.com, yeah. Yeah, by Tom, um, Thomas Frank. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, I've actually been following him since he was in college, and now he's graduated. So it's nice to see that development. I would hope that would happen to me. Like, you know, my like p- readers can read it, but also find a development within the, the blogger, you know. Cause, um, okay. That's powerful stuff. All right. So let's talk about what you're doing right now. What what did you what were you doing right before you jumped on this call? I was actually taking a practice MCAT. <laughs> That's exciting. I'm taking the MCAT um, early September okay. and I've been in an MCAT prep course and I also have been self-studying 
for like um, the past like six, five months. A long time. Yeah, yeah, which has been really good. So you mentioned you were taking Kaplan to me earlier. Yeah. Why did you choose Kaplan? Um, no, no specific reason. Um, at first I wasn't even going to take the class too. I kind of wanted to like self-study the first time and then take it and see. And then, you know, um, and then like I've, I've read so many other bloggers who self-study and they're like, yeah, you don't need the classes. And I was, you know, but then, um, my mom was like, you know, take a class. And I, I just typed in Kaplan, honestly, but, oh, oh no, I didn't, I didn't just type in Kaplan. I did research. And I looked for um, the test company that actually had all the exams, all the AMC exams plus extra exams. And um, I think Kaplan, Kaplan, and there was another one that was like the only ones that had all the exams. So um, I really liked that. And um, my friends who are also in the linkage program and who've taken the MCATs, they've given me so much advice. Like some advice I would tell you guys would be, you know, take a lot of practice exams. Um, a big mistake, a lot of, that is key. Yeah. A lot of my friends told me, um, who had to take it over again or who didn't feel prepared. They were like, I didn't take enough practice exams. I focused too much on content. And then when it came time for the exam, I didn't know how to apply it. Mm -hmm. So, um, practice exams are your best friend. Yep. And and Um, I'll, I'll reiterate for, for the listener who hasn't listened to us before the podcast before the MCAT is a test that tests how well you can take the MCAT. It doesn't, it's not a test about content. It's a test on how you can comprehend and, and uh, use some analysis and what they're asking. And the best way to study for that is to take lots of practice tests. And exactly. it, you obviously need to have your base of information from doing well in your undergrad classes. And you can learn more material as you go through these prep courses or books or however you're going to study. But practice tests... And not just taking them, but actually doing what I what they call a post-mortem of the practice test and actually find out why you missed what you missed and why you got right what you got right on the on each practice test. It's awesome that you brought up post-mortem because I'm obsessed with that. But yeah, that's important. I do that for every question that I do. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people skip the ones they got right. They're like, oh, I got that one right. I don't need to look at it. But mm-hmm. who who's to say you got it right for a good reason? Yeah, for me, what I've started doing is I circle, I circle, and then I think I put like a check mark on the ones that I got right, but I guessed, you know, or I got right, but it was, you know, it wasn't uh, the best way to go about mm-hmm. solving. Good. So yeah, that's perfect. that's good to do too. So your program at Pitzer, mm-hmm. it has a linkage. So you are quote-unquote guaranteed a spot if you choose it, but you need a minimum on your MCAT, correct? Yes. What's that minimum? You have to get at least a 7 on each section. Okay. And that's the problem that a lot of, at least in my programs, um, it could be hard, you know, for some students to get, sometimes because sometimes you get above the score, but you, you don't get a 7 in every single sec, at least a 7 in every single section, yeah. and that can mess you up too. Do, does, do they tell you what section most students have a problem with, or is it kind of mixed? Um, it's kind of mixed. Um, my advisor tells me a lot of students have problems with verbal. Yeah, that's and I got I got a seven in verbal. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I took the MCAT yeah. once, got tens in the sciences, and got a seven in verbal, and and that yeah. was strictly because I never read as a kid. 
Um, oh. Through college, uh, I, I never read. So reading comprehension, I was terrible at. And so when it came to the MCAT, it showed. <laughs> well, that's it's interesting because when I took my diagnostic for the MCAT, um, verbal was my worst. And I was shocked. I was like, what? Like, I am the verbal queen. Like, <laughs> I love to read. Like, I love reading. I've taken, you know, sociology and I've taken classes where, like, you're reading, like, you know, 20 chapters, like tons of tons of reading. Yep. So I was kind of, you know, um, sad. Yeah, but, but, but um, reading and taking the MCAT are two different things. Yeah, exactly. Like when you when you start to learn like, you know, some of the little tricks and, you know, just different strategies, um, it really can boost your score. And then I took a process exam on Saturday and my verbal went up by a lot. I, I think I went from a... Uh, Six on the verbal to a 10. So good. that's really good. And that's just me. Like I just started learning like strategies and, you know, so that helps a lot. Okay. So, yeah. So we had talked about the minimum MCAT and a lot of schools have that. If you're doing a combined seven year or eight year BS or BAMD program, they will have a minimum on the MCAT. And if you don't get that minimum, you lose that, that linkage or that guarantee of yep. a medical school spot, which can be a bummer if you just uh, killed yourself for a couple of years. Yeah. But it's and also, students, there's programs that do not require the MCAT. Yes, there, there are programs. <laughs> there Fle- are. FlexMed is one of them. We interviewed Dr. Muller from FlexMed back in episode 16. Yeah. Great program. Great program. Okay. Let's talk about your blog and why you started your blog. So um, I started my blog as a means to... As a, at first, I kind of started as just, I want to express this weird feeling that I have that I'm in college and every other aspect of my life is amazing in terms of, um, you know, I, I was making friends. Um, I joined yoga, like the yoga club. You know, I, I wasn't really having homesickness. I don't know. I was just like, it was a very, you know, good time. Everything was right except academic part you know and um I kind of just felt the standstill like uh like I didn't even feel like who can't who can I talk to I had a lot of people I could talk to but I was like uh, I feel like I should share this I feel like I should find some way to turn this negative into a positive so I started making this blog and I I said I want to make this blog study skills because um in the program we just ended up being like a small cohort who ended up studying a lot and you kind of learn like um, quirks and, you know, what works for some people, what doesn't work for other people. And, um, I, my school has a lot of different lecturers who come and I started listening about like metacognition and like learning and all these different things. I was like, let me just start a study skills blog. And, um, I feel like it kind of just took off from there. Just, you know, trying every, like I would have my Sunday ritual. If you read Cal Newport's blog, you know how important that is to have a, you know, Sunday ritual where you wake up um, you know, early, you um, do a little light cleaning, you go for a walk in the morning, clear your head. Um, if you have a journal, it's good to write in a journal, I guess. And what I would do is just Sunday morning, I'd wake up, you know, do my little ritual. And then um, during brunch, when I'm eating, I'll just like write up a blog about like a study tip that I liked or, um, you know, something of that sort. But I feel like now that I've gotten older, my blog's been ever evolving. So 
it went from study tips, but now it's very interesting. It's like podcast I like to study to or concentration tips, you know. So it's, it's getting quite – actually, have to have, I have to add this um, podcast on my favorite podcast list because that's like my number three most reblogged um, post, but – yeah, we're, we're not on your favorite podcast list yet. I made it a long time ago, actually, a long, long time ago. Oh, okay, that's a that's yeah. a good excuse. <laughs> <laughs> I feel hurt now. No, no, after we end, it's going to be added right away. <laughs> okay, good. All right. So let's end with your go-to tip for a pre-med student out there struggling kind of kicking themselves every day, not not sure if they're fit for this journey. Okay. Well, um, this might be kind of lengthy, but I'll try to keep it concise. Um, I guess the first thing I would say is um, after your, your first semester and you're, you know, you're starting your um, biology or you're starting your chemistry or you know, however it goes. And, you know, you might not be doing too well or, you know, your GPA is not where you would like it to be. Um, Really, you know, um, collect yourself and talk to your advisor and speak with your mentor. Speak to upperclassmen who are like juniors or seniors because they're like the best because they already kind of went through what you went through. So they're like really there to, you know, help you and kind of talk to them to see, you know, what you can change. And I would say if you hit the end of freshman year and you, you kind of see, you don't see improvement, I would definitely talk to your advisor concerning um, maybe an, another, not another path you can take or not going to medical school, but just kind of seeing like what's preventing you from, you know, getting, improving in whatever subject, whatever science, probably science it is. Um, because I actually had a lecturer who came to my school and he was talking a lot about um, medicine, how it's changing, and uh, the medical school application process. And he said um, when he did a study at his university, the students who couldn't really, who didn't, weren't 100%, not 100, but 90% sure of their study habits by the end of freshman year and kind of like had an idea of like, okay, I know how to, you know, understand the basic sciences and, you know, how to go about studying for them. Um, their chances of getting into medical school were a lot lower than students who were already performing at like a, you know, a higher rate. So that's an important thing to take into account. Um, also kind of just like what, um, Dr. Gray said, is just understanding, understanding the importance of, um, knowing what works for you. And, you know, i at my school, there's Starbucks, there's, you know, all these little coffee shops. And I see, you know, groups studying together, but they're talking about, you know, other things. Their book is open, but they're not studying. Um, and, you know, it's really important to get that study time in because you're a student and being a student is a job. So, you know, try to try to take it and um, understand that it is a job. And, you know, you do want to put your best foot forward and, you know, try to balance work and play. I would also download... Um, the app called, oh my gosh, what is it called? I think it's called Study Time or Stop Time, but it's a Google Chrome app and it blocks Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, all the horrible websites that will just like make you procrastinate. <laughs> and it allows you, it honestly allows you to study. And it's so cute. Like if I forget that I have the app on and I type in like, 
Facebook, it will like, it'll be a white screen. It should, it will say, shouldn't you be studying? And I'm like, oh no. So it really blocks you out. Like there's no way you can like go on Facebook. So it's really good to do that. Um, turning off your phone while studying, that's really good to do. Um, and also, you know, you don't have to join like the pre-med club, but going to a lot of health talks, understanding what's happening right now with healthcare is really um, it's something good to have underneath your belt. I've talked to other like lecturers who come to my school, even professors, and they're always really impressed that I can like hold a conversation. We can talk about the ACA or we can talk about um, the myth of the rich doctor and all these like different, different aspects of medicine. So um, it's really good to just keep, in, keep informed. And, you know, yes, you have the, the biomedical part, but also try to be like well-rounded and um, find what works for you. And visit my blog, Fresh Progress Geek. <laughs> All right. We'll have a link to that in the show notes, which people can find at medicalschoolhq.net slash nine zero for episode 90. Yeah. Wow. 90 already. 90 already. We have to do wow. something big for 100. I haven't figured it yeah. out yet. So if you're listening to this and you have any ideas on what we can do for session 100, let me know. Yeah. And also share the podcast with your friends. I do that. Definitely. So um, a lot of my friends, I was telling Dr. Gray, a lot of my friends listen to the podcast and they like it. And they, you know, they wouldn't, because I don't know, I, I just got into podcasts. I'm kind of like new, you know, but um, yeah. So if you, if you like something, you know, share it with your friends and it just helps, it helps the brand. It helps the movement, the respect, the MCAT. It, just, it helps the movement grow. It's collaboration. It helps it grow. All right. Again, that was Leah. Her blog, if you want to go say hi to her, it's on Tumblr. It's freshprogressgeek.tumblr.com. Before we get out of here today, I want to thank two new five-star reviews, or I want to thank the the listeners that left us the two new five-star reviews. We have David Enyart, I think is how you pronounce his last name. I know I've talked to you, David, on the phone before. And KKM 2010, David left an amazing, uh, heartfelt review. Thank you, David, for that review. He said it's pre-med medicine for the soul. And uh, KKM 2010 said, wonderful. The most helpful source I've had in my pre-med journey. So thank you to those uh, two listeners for leaving those five-star reviews. If you haven't yet left us a five-star review, please do so by going to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. It takes about two minutes of your time. You click and leave us a rating, and then you can type a little um, sentence or two to let us know how we're helping you, or if we're not helping you, let us know. If you have any questions on how to leave a review, just shoot me an email, ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. If you have any comments about today's show, you can go to the specialized show notes specifically for this episode at medicalschoolhq.net slash 99.0. I hope you got a ton of great information out of the show today. And as always, I hope you join us next time here at the Medical School Headquarters. <laughs>